Welcome in, everybody, to yet another edition of the Return of the Roar podcast. Same suspects as always, Frankie Cardicelli, Chris Watkins, uh, bringing it to you today uh, in the middle of of just great, great sports, you know, week. It's been uh, just here in the world. Russell Wilson deal obviously shook up a lot of things in football. Uh, Aaron Rodgers staying over there. The Carson Wentz move in the NBA. It feels like we're at that point in the season where people are are hitting their peaks and every single night you look on on online and there's somebody putting up 45 10 and 10 last night it just so happened to be Nikola Jokic who put up those ridiculous kind of numbers um yeah I mean it, it's great and then you and I were just talking about baseball there's potential that baseball comes back soon and and uh you know you were telling me that that there's chance that 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 is like a, a you know a a circus of a day if, if they um, if they get a collective bargaining agreement signed, then potentially what was the moves term? On moves on moves on moves. What was the term with the Kings moving to Seattle? Did they say first and goal? I think about them moving to Seattle. Uh, yes, I believe it was first and goal at the one. Yeah, I think it was who put that out. I'd say right now baseball after being fourth and twenty at the opposing <laughs> like fifteen yard line. I think right now it's probably second in goal at like the two yard line. I'm sticking with the twos. Okay. They're they're close. So anyone out there that cares about baseball, which I do because I'm I'm very much not looking forward to a summer without baseball because once the NBA playoffs are over, I just I become very very sad that happened during uh COVID times when when there was nothing it just kind of brings it back yeah. to that just looking forward to that. But uh yeah, you see what Jason Tatum is doing in the NBA right now. You see what Nikola Jokic is doing. LeBron um, the other day. LeBron tonight we get the the, the yeah. 76ers and Nets. Yeah. Ben Simmons is going to be mm-hmm. on the bench and I already got a uh, an update that he was getting heckled outside of his hotel. So basket, basketball is 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 hot right now. It's hot. The Kings are not uh but that's okay. I think now in in our notes here a little show rundown we're talking about. I think I think I put the tank is on him. It's I'm not saying it's a hard tank but I think now everyone's in the acceptance part of the King season where there's no more looking at the standings. Well, the Western conference standings. Now you look at the tankathon standings and with 14 games left to go, the Kings have a buzzsaw of a schedule coming up. And I, I we, we talk about the homestand come, but I also forget they have to play Miami again. Yep. They play Phoenix on the last game of the season who could, could be battling for a top seed. Uh, the Clippers could be battling to 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 not be in the play-in, except I, that, that pretty much is set in stone at this point, I would imagine. But um, I guess we can kind of start with that. I mean, last night the Kings play against Denver, and they go down by 15, 16 early. I think you and I both were kind of making jokes. You were making jokes to me already that, okay, I guess I'm leaving in the third quarter. <laughs> yeah, jokes. And uh, overall, I was very surprised. They they don't have Demonte Sabonis, and we're going to get into a suspension and if it was warranted in a little bit. But were you impressed last night about the team's effort? And and does that is that something that you can kind of just look to see down the closing stretch? Just t- games like that where they kind of battle and and show some fight. For sure. I mean, it's nice to see that they didn't get ran over. Um, there was definitely I, I actually joked that because I, I was not joking about leaving in the third quarter, uh, but I actually joked that it felt like there was potential that that could have been one of those 40 point losses that we were seeing uh, just because 
<clears throat> I mean, with Sabonis being out, there was really no hope for them to to feel like there was any way that they were, and, you know, Jokic was already in the middle of him going absolutely nuclear. So it kind of just felt like it was going to be one of those nights where he could literally, him and DeMarcus would have just gone crazy. Um, we can talk about DeMarcus later in his game, but uh, it, it was nice to see them come out in that third quarter and, and show some pride. I think um, I was just rewatching some of the highlights and uh, I, I definitely noticed that it felt like right out of the bat, De'Aaron Fox came out in that third quarter and, and really established the tone and was like, look, guys, like, I don't know what's going to happen the rest of this third quarter, but we're not going to start by just letting this. I think it was a 16 point lead at that point crater to like, you know, turn into a 25 point deficit or something like completely that. snowball away. Yeah. And and I think that was nice. He came out, hit the three, his shot looked great last night. He hit a couple spot ups, um, a couple shots in rhythm. It, w- it was good to see. I think Darren is, is just in the middle of, of the best stretch of basketball we've seen him play before. Um, it was, it was good to see for sure them, them not roll over, but, um, at the end of the day, I think the, their biggest problem with last night's game was just they didn't have the talent to, to close it out. I mean, De'Aaron couldn't literally couldn't do it all. Um, and, and Harrison, you know, showed up a little bit uh, late in that fourth or not late in that fourth quarter. He, he hit a couple shots in that fourth quarter, um, but they really just didn't have anybody else who was, who was making shots last night. And that was that was kind of the reason they lost that. And Denver missed a lot of shots. But um, the effort was good, I think. You know, they were they were trying. They they weren't doing a good job of stopping Jokic. Clearly, I think he finished with like 38, 18 and six or something like that. But, yeah, uh, you know, they're doubling him and and it just well, Damian Jones, too. I mean, tip your hat a little bit to as much as he's been abused in the paint by Jokic last night. He did strip him a couple of times down the stretch and Jokic was not really he he had his and one that kind of put the game away. And then Monty Morris had hit, had one as well, and they were back-to-back, and that's what, what sealed the game. It was a one-possession game until that point. But for most of the fourth quarter, they kept Jokic in check. They, they really did. And it's it's sad because it goes back to the Sabonis thing as far as I saw. I can't remember what the metrics were, but I saw, I think one of the guys from Kings Herald posted from a different publication that Sabonis, I think, is the number two or number three center in the league this year that's been able to contain Jokic from a defensive standpoint. And they do just bring out the best in each other. And obviously, Jokic wasn't scoring 40 against the Kings in the other two matchups. You know, he was having a triple-double and getting it done other ways. But um, Aaron Gordon had hurt the Kings last game. He wasn't much of a threat last night. Um, Austin Rivers had had his moments the last time the Kings played the, the Nuggets at home. He had kind of a tough night last night. Very. So the defense was impressive. After the second quarter, the defense, the second half, the Kings outscored the Nuggets. Third quarter, you hold them to 17, a good team like the Nuggets, to 17 points in the third quarter. That's one of the more impressive showings I've seen from the Kings this season. And it's something that I think you can take and hope to see more of down the stretch. And again, we're at a point where winning games, it could be, it could help the culture and it could help the overall tone of this team heading into the off season. But just to make it clear, I am in the camp now where when they lose, I'm not too upset about it. I'm not rooting for losses, but like it was a, it was a perfect scenario if you're out there wanting the team to play hard and lose last night was a textbook example of what to look for and what to want watching them battle and fight and refuse to give up even without some of their guys last night i think the kings are missing what four guys missing Rashawn, sabonis lamb and harkless and still they they fought against a team that sure denver shorthanded but 
point is you have the MVP playing the way he is and they fought and that's all you can hope to see. And again, about Fox coming, I think we've said before on the podcast that he just isn't that guy. Like he isn't that guy that can come down and, and, and get you a bucket and, and bring you back when your team's down by eight, and you need to go on a run. He kind of has been that guy lately. He's been the only thing that's kind of working for the team. And we, we were saying, I think like about HB last night, you kind of were having some jokes about how he got his shots late. And yeah, HB has not been that guy really that can, you throw him the ball and he can go get you a quick five, six points over a couple possessions. But Fox, the last time he shot under 47% in a game was two months ago. It was in January. And you look at what he's been doing. He hasn't shot under 50% in, in over a month. So it, when you look at efficiency, when he's going to the hole and he's going to score the ball, he's he's doing it. It's very efficient, and he wasn't the problem last night. I put out a tweet saying that if you are still in in the camp of chastising the Kings for losses and and getting on them for losing games at this point in the season, I don't I don't think you can point fingers at De'Aaron Fox and say you know he needs to do more because he's quite literally doing all that he expecting more out of De'Aaron Fox right now on the offensive side. The defense is a different conversation. That's one we're going to have to discuss this offseason and, and especially next season if adjustments aren't made. But when you're seeing what he's doing on the offensive end after this trade, you, you, you can't point fingers at him right now. You can point fingers at Alvin Gentry for doing things that are kind of head-scratching as far as playing Dante DiVincenzo for 11 minutes last night for whatever reason. Um, playing Damian Jones with, with Sabonis last game for whatever reason. It, some, some things don't really make sense. But that's just kind of where I am right now as far as what I saw. Chris, did you see anything last night that kind of had you scratching your head as far as either rotations or some lineups that you didn't like or just some things you don't really want to see again, even if the Kings are necessarily trying to lose? Or are you kind of okay with everything? Are you okay with rolling out lineups with with Josh Jackson and Damian Jones and, and Jeremy Lamb? Like what? What kind of do you want to see and don't want to see for the next 15, 14 games? Yeah, I think it's tough kind of with, with the, the uh, you know, all the injuries they have with, with Sabonis being out and with Rashawn being out because I think those two are such um, a big piece in, in keeping this team, up. I, I don't even want to say afloat because they clearly are, are drowning even with them playing, but uh, those are just two of their better players, and the Kings really can't afford to to be without um, two of their more solid guys. Especially if that means that they're going to have to run with with Alex Len and Damian Jones so much. I don't really have an issue with with Damian coming off the bench, but last night Damian Jones played thirty eight minutes. I mean that you're just not going to, especially when you're going against Nikola Jokic, the, uh, the center pairing of Nikola Jokic and Demarcus. Granted, Demarcus was held in in check it last night, but. Uh, you know, for everything DeMarcus didn't do, Jokic absolutely didn't. And I, I do agree with you that Damian Jones did put up um, a, a good fight against him, uh, especially in the second half. I think Jokic really had had his way with him in the first half. But, um, you know, he, he he to his credit, he fought. He, he kept in there and he, he really got in his face and used his, his length to uh, to bother him. And I think, like you said, I think eventually it kind of it did get to him and he, he got a couple strips down late in the game. Um, so I was happy with that. I don't really mind seeing a lot of Damian Jones. I honestly would have minded a lot more if Alex Len would have played 20 minutes. That would have been the kind of thing that I would have had issue with. But 
Um, we're just kind of rolling with what we got right now. I mean, I know people were upset that uh, Dante only had 12 minutes last night. I don't think he was good at all. Um, the shots he was taking were, were bad shots. I know uh, when he first came in, he was kind of he, he hinted that that Alvin kind of told him, as long as you're open, we need shooting and, and you're a shooter. So please shoot. But uh, he was 05 last night from the field, 03 from three. Um, a lot of very early shots, a lot of, uh, you know, p- shooting it off the dribble, which uh, I think um, you mentioned the other day uh, on Twitter about his his uh, his spot up shooting. So, I, you know, I, I don't really have too much issue rotationally. I think it was just kind of the, it was the hands they were dealt. I don't love ju- I haven't loved Justin Holiday, his play, um, especially the past couple weeks, but very really, streaky. There's no one else. I mean, who who are we going to throw out there? Yeah, you can throw Dante out there some more minutes. Um, but, you know, I, I'm the Dante DiMincenzo thing is going to be interesting because I didn't realize that he um, he's he's going into restricted free agency, restricted free agency, which is good for the Kings because they can, in theory, match any offer that uh, that they're going to give him. But also, I, I don't necessarily know. I don't know how much of a chess game they want to play with him because if they do play him and start him, you know, play him 30 minutes and he starts um, putting up some real points, they they could really drive up his price. And I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's going into the calculus of his actual game time. And, you know, he's obviously not playing well at the moment so that that's not going to, you know, that's kind of the end all be all. But um, I I just think that's something to monitor. But in terms of the rotation and, and the guys that, that played, I don't have too big of an issue with it. It's kind of, you know, I, I don't want to say because I do think the depth is good. It's solid. But I just think the the biggest problem that we're seeing here is kind of like you said earlier. Um, I just think De'Aaron Fox needs another another partner. He needs a he needs a tag teammate like if the, the biggest issue I had with Harrison Barnes last night is just he took 11 shots. And I mean, he 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 needs we we need Harrison taking 15, 17, maybe even 20 shots if Sabonis is going to be out. We can't, you know, Trey Lyles came out hot. I think he got 11 of his 14 points or something like that in that first quarter. Um, he ended up with 14. That's what you're going to expect from Trey Lyles. That's, that's, that's as, as a matter of fact, that's as good as you're going to get from Trey Lyles with the exception of that Oklahoma City game. In a game like that, you need Harrison really stepping up, really asserting, uh, his will and saying like, yeah, Sabonis is out, but we still have, uh, you know, somebody else who can who can help you out, De'Aaron, and and really De'Aaron just had absolutely no help yesterday, and it it kind of it ended up coming down to Jokic was better than Fox, and there's nothing De'Aaron yeah. can De'Aaron can can live with that. I hope we should that, all that we guy's going to win MVP again, and he won last year, and we should all be able to live with that. Yeah. Is he, is he going to win again, or do you think DeRozan has a chance? No, I don't think DeRozan. I think DeRozan's probably going to finish third, fourth, third, maybe fourth. Yeah, I think I think it's it's kind of a two man race between Jokic and Embiid right now. And I think I think if especially with with how Denver is winning games right now, not that Philly's not, but I think uh, you're going to see some you know some some well, leaning towards Jokic well, specifically because he's doing it by himself. Especially because now Philly, I mean, they had Ben Simmons who wasn't playing. Mm-hmm. They have Tobias Harris. They had Seth Curry. They had a pretty deep roster, you know, and now they have James Harden. Embiid goes out. Philly might be able to still string together some wins, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and Definitely. If Denver loses Jokic, they already don't have Jamal Murray. They already are without Michael Porter Jr. Mm-hmm. 
he's been leading this team on his back. And yeah. I, I'm not going to discredit what Aaron Gordon and some of those other guys have been doing on the team. But if Nikola Jokic isn't playing, Denver's not yeah. where they are today. No. Not even close. So I guess that's kind of where people lose the, the side of most valuable player. It's the most valuable player. It's not always the best player. It's the most valuable. Yeah. Um, and that's a good point because I, I've been kind of hoping for DeRozan to get some love because he's been around for forever. And look, man, that guy—you don't have to—you don't have to tell me the greatest Chicago Bull of all time. I just, that's the I'm greatest. Firmly on it. I've I've what never about, seen a, a Chicago Bull dominate like. That. What about the guy in the '90s though? I'm telling you, bro. Like I've seen the highlights. Pippen was okay, but like what Demar no, is doing right now. No, the other one. No, no. Steve Kerr, he's just a coach. He hit a couple <laughs> big shots. Bill Cartwright, local legend. Absolutely. Dennis uh, Robin. Dennis. He is a person who exists in this world. He rebounded. Who's the one that uh, <laughs> that the the player who you will not name punked? Ron all the Harper. Time? Ron, Ron Harper. Harper. Yeah, Ron no, Harper. Ron Harper is the guy that you're talking about. Uh, no, that's right. The guy that uh, uh, Jordan punked all the time. I mean. It was the, on the, the entire NBA. Well, on the documentary, he had a teammate, oh, and he was always uh, giving Scott him. Burrell, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Scott is, yeah, punky. that poor guy, man. It was like Sasha Vujicic and Kobe. The 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 clips you see in God. practice where Kobe just completely busted him for like, I don't even know. They're like Brett Berry and and Sony Parker. Sorry, that's not. That's cool. a, that's a different. That's, that's not cool. That's, that's a different. Cool. That's a different type of. Um, that's a different type of bust. You know, or we can go Derek Fisher, Matt Barnes, if we're getting into that stuff too, but not don't hey. steal don't steal wives you know don't no just don't steal wives especially um, not if you're gonna be like in the same grouping of you know like nba nba there's only no, a certain so amount i People saw find out. i saw this uh i think talking baseball posted this these yankees teammates in the 70s I, i'd have to look up their names but they it's like a real thing that happened they they traded lives they traded Wives, children, wives. I thought dogs. you said lives. No, I was like, no. oh, they. Well, I like, said lives. Like, murder, because, suicide. Like. No, Jesus, <laughs> no. They, they, they like said, okay, like I'm gonna ha- be with your wife and you be with my kids. And, like they move into their houses and then they just live the rest of their, of their lives that way. Like that like, show, like uh, isn't a wife swap or something? Yeah, like that? Didn't but it was like be a show? it's like that, but real life. They, they, they actually like stay together, and I think they still kept relationships with their kids, but they like switched wives. And like they had an agreement. It was like said in the it was like a newspaper article of it, like nineteen seventy eight. And like they're on a boat. There should be more than just a there should be a full like mini series about uh, it. So <laughs> it should be a Netflix uh, mini series about Matt these. Matt Damon and Ben Affleck like bought Matt the rights Damon. and they wrote a script and they're gonna make a movie about it. Oh, perfect. So that's well, that's great. They'll probably play they'll probably play those guys too. Yeah, they're way ahead of it. Uh, knowing them. But Wow. We got Goodwill into, Bunting. Like, Goodwill <laughs> We got into <laughs> We, we got into wife stealing. Uh, so anyways, yeah. But basically, I'm in acceptance as far as the Kings. Uh, I, I Last night, I, I looked at the scoreboard, and I made a joke, a kind of a half-joke comment to you that, hey, the Pelicans are losing. If the Kings win, they're three out. And that while that is true, and while Brandon Ingram is going to be out for probably another week or two, the Kings are – they're done. And it's over. Yeah. Unless they stun the NBA world and they beat the Jazz, the Bulls, the Bucks, the Celtics, and the Suns, which are their next four or five games, yeah, it's over. So I ask you, Chris, 
what is your priority? What do you want to see over the last stretch of a season? Do you want to see Davion, a heavy dose of Davion Mitchell? Do you want to see Fox and Sabonis continue to form a relationship? Do you want things to stay the way they are? Or would you rather the team shut down some players and, and just kind of really prioritize? Because right now, looking at Tankathon, the Kings are currently sixth in the lottery. They are a game and a half back of Indiana, which they have a revenge game against Tyrese Halliburton coming up next week as well. Mm-hmm. So they could reach Indiana for top five. I don't know if they're going to catch Oklahoma City. Lou Dort's out for the rest of the year. Josh Giddy's injured. Um, they're they three shot, and a half back. They're three and a half back. Or three uh, back. I'm sorry, three back. Three back of, of Oklahoma City in the four. And the, the four seed would be significant because – you 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 you're pretty much right there of the teams in the top three. You're you're a, a percent and a half back of having the number one overall pick. You have a twelve and a half percent chance versus fourteen. Um, I did see though. Quick, I want to get to your thoughts. I don't. I'm I'm sorry oh, to keep going, but please. I did I did see a tweet that historically teams that have the six best odds, they've fallen more than any other team over the last like ten years mm. of the lottery. They've so if the Kings are in sixth, they are more likely to fall in the draft than they are in any other position, which I find very scary. Lottery purgatory, if you will. So our best chances are either to fall, to go to seven, win our way to seven or eight, and hope to jump, or get in the top five. So with that, I ask you, Chris, what would you like to see over the last 14 games? What is What are your goals, if you have any, for this team? Or are you kind of just bag in the wind just whatever happens happens i think it's hard for me to say that they should just outright bench you know deer and fox and i think that would honestly do it enough for for them to for sure lose these games um i don't think that davion mitchell has proven to be a good enough you know uh playmaker to to feed an entire offense like that they'd probably rely heavily on sabonis if Sabonis were to play those games where Fox doesn't play, it would be really tough. I mean, at that point, we're kind of living the the Ray McCallum, Ben McLemore playing 48 minutes kind of Kings where, you know, they had no shot at winning, but there was chances that they would maybe, you know, kind of like last night, make make the game fun, make it close, make you believe they might win, but then ultimately fall. Um I don't know because I'm at the point I, I, I love, you know, I love defense it. I just don't like watching this team lose. It's not, I'm just frankly sick of it. Like there, I'm not getting anything from their losses. They don't um, particularly look like a, a, I don't want to say it. They don't look like a team. I mean, they, they just, they're not playing like they, they are going to like, they're really building on anything. Um, it just kind of seems like at the moment De'Aaron Fox is is playing as well as he possibly can, and we're just hoping that somebody else can can hop along with him. Um, I I don't you know, and and if him and Sabonis play together and they win games, like you're saying, like that's kind of, I mean, it's good because like you're saying, we get we get we could possibly get out of that sixth spot, and uh, you know, I guess make our odds worse, but potentially, it's- like. It's, it's spiritually weird. better, I guess. It's a, it's a conundrum. It's very strange, yeah. but based but on I, the odds, that is what's going to is what happens to the sixth team. I think the answer is just they need to lose as many games as possible at this point, and it, it is unfortunate to. Um, I mean, this season has been a waste. Well, you know, in hindsight, since the beginning, I mean, this team never really had um, a good look at at being. Um, 
you know, at, at stringing together some wins and really putting something together, they've kind of been lost all season. And it, it just hurts to give up on that completely. And I guess I'm just not fully there yet, but I understand that, um, you know, at this point in the season with the, with the way that it's gone down, it's, it's probably best to just cut your losses and, and call it a season at this point. Yeah. Is that how you feel? Do you, do you I, kind um, of feel similar? Do you, are you more, more, uh, more willing to just accept it? I'm, they should not be winning games right now. And I, I can't support them shutting down De'Aaron and Sabonis. I just don't want them to do that because there are still too many games, in my opinion, to do that. They're, they're I think four, so as well. There are 14 games left. When you get down to like the 6-7 range, I think we can have a conversation because they'll probably be close to yeah. or they will be mathematically eliminated. And at that's this when, point, I'm sorry. Too, sorry to cut you off. But at this point, it's like a, there's a month left in the season, right? There's, like, there's, it's there's not like, just like you're talking like, oh, they're taking two weeks off no. or something like that. Like there's there's actual like a there's frame a, of time like there's, there's a like good a amount ch- of there's chunk a chunk of, of games like we have like an eighth of the season left still mm-hmm. and like 14 games you know um a week ago there was a quarter of a season left it's just that it's just kind of putting it into perspective about how we've kind of said the season was over for a while even though it wasn't really over technically and to some of you out there you might say it was over from the the minute luke yeah, Walton got fired and yeah, like they That's what I'm saying. In hindsight, like I guess the season has been over for a while. Oh yeah. But, this has been the know. worst season I've in as a as a fan, uh, as someone who's watched the team since I was 11, 12, 13 years old, I I have never been more frustrated watching a team in the season because the talent on this team was so above the talent we've had on this team before, in my opinion, over the years, when you really, when you really look back at it, at, at the things that have happened since this playoff drought started. So with that being said, I can't in good conscience sit there and say, let's just hit everybody. I want to see Darren Fox and Sabonis craft that, that, that duo that mm-hmm. everyone is so excited about. I want to see that be a priority over the last 14 games. I want to see Davion Mitchell, who played well in the starting lineup, I wouldn't mind seeing him just start and see what you have because if he isn't someone that's going to be in your lineup, which he is, and he, he could be a guy they look to as a sixth man, but I don't I don't feel that that's the case. I think that he's someone that they mm-hmm. look to to either start or to package in a move and a deal it, with that. Yeah. You, you, no one really knows. I mean, what do you think he's in the long-term plans? Davion, I think it's tough to tell right now. I think uh, it's like it's like the right deal comes along situation. Yeah, I think because I, I definitely like everybody, don't think but... he's he's you know solidified himself in being. Uh, oh yeah, like this guy is going to be. Uh, well, I he I, I don't know. It's tough. I will just say he has not solidified himself as a bona fide uh, NBA player yet. I mean, I I think for sure, like in when he's you know, when he's locked in for sure, I think not, not mentally, I think he's always mentally locked in, but when, you know, when his shot is falling, um, when he's playing well, he's playing, he's playing well, well. Yeah. uh, but when, you know, it's, it's no, the inconsistency you and, you know, that's going to come when you're a rookie, but he's obviously an older rookie. You would just like to see, uh, I think next year is going to be pretty huge for him because he's going to have to make a pretty significant leap, uh, in terms of, you know, just being comfortable out there and being able to kind of you know be able to to justify being in closing lineups because I think 
if he is going to be a piece that stays long term, it's going to have to be because he has earned his spot in the closing lineup um, as somebody who isn't a liability. And at the moment, I wouldn't say he's a liability just because the Kings don't have another four guys to put out there. He's not the biggest problem. But, you know, if this team is going to eventually be a, uh, I'll just say, playoff contender, um, that's going to require them to get a a solid, you know, we talked about their closing lineup last week, and you you correctly pointed out that I think it's Fox, Sabonis, Barnes, and then the other two are kind of, you know, interchangeable. I think the Kings are going to have to lock down that five if they want to be want to be a, a team that actually does things and they're going to have to get another closer. Um, this is a long winded way of saying, yeah, like I think Davion is in the future plans at the moment. But like you said, if if they get a deal for somebody who, you know, is is uh, is an improvement, I, I would like to think that he he's on the board. He's on the block. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I at- kind of I, I, how do you feel about him? I guess that, that to your argument, and I definitely agree with you, that would be the reason why you would want uh, to maybe bench Fox a couple games and see what Davion has. But how do you feel about him uh, kind of uh, living on his own, if you will, as, as if if they were to move from De'Aaron Fox in the future? Do you feel comfortable at this moment with Davion Mitchell's progression? And, and do you feel like he could maybe be in, in the right lineup um, somebody who could exist in in the Kings' future, like like as being the primary guard. Like if Fox were to be moved, someday? essentially, yeah, that's what I'm saying. No, and like it I could mean, be, you know, like the team has whatever. Let's say they trade Fox for Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown, exactly. And it's like okay, like they got somebody who's still very good. You know, it just so happens Davion is the point guard at this position. Or, yeah, you know, in this lineup, not necessarily the ipso facto point guard. I just don't envision him as a, as like a lead point guard on this I team. I, I don't, and it's not a knock on Davion. It's just I just don't think that's what his skill set is, is being mm-hmm. a primary ball handler and distributor. Definitely. He he is dangerous off the dribble and going to, to the rack like we saw last night, and I, I think I made a, uh, a comment to you saying he is so good at those quick off the dribble, just goes cuts right to the hoop, and mm-hmm. defenses rarely stop that. I, I, I rarely see that get blocked. I rarely see him miss it, to be honest. He kind of goes right hand on the left side a little bit, and I think he yeah, needs to that's a coach's that. nightmare. That's a Tyreek Evans move. Um, shout out Tyreek, about to be back in the league, by the way. Possibly, um, possibly. Um, but no, Davion. I I really do think he's someone that could be a part of a team's long term future as as kind of that second third guard, and I like him in that role. I like him in that role as far as coming off the bench or starting next to the Aaron Fox and and being the defensive stopper of the group. I'd like him to be the op- the offense uh, or sort of the shooting in that group too. That's the thing I want next to Fox mm-hmm. most is a guy that can shoot. And if Davion isn't that guy or Dante for that matter, they need to find someone who can. And, and to be more specific, a guy that can knock down threes and play defense. And that's a tough find in the league today. There's not many yeah, guys. That's that, what everybody's looking for. That's what everybody, that's what, wing. That's what everybody wants. Everybody wants that. And it's like a player that I think Danny green was like five years ago mm-hmm. when people when he oh, was yeah, winning, for sure when he was winning championships every season he was like the premier he can knock down the three and he plays good defense he's not that anymore but that's the kind of guy that the kings need mm-hmm. and buddy hill great shooter couldn't play defense dante vincenzo struggling to shoot the ball right now defense is kind of spotty justin holiday played the best defense i've seen him play last night but his shooting has been bad for the mm-hmm. most part since coming to sacramento 
they don't really have any solutions right now on the roster that can be that guy. So it's going to come down to, like you said, Dante's going to be a free agent this offseason. Is he the guy that can be starting at the two, knocking down threes? Okay, is Davion that guy? Are the Kings going to kind of shift to making Davion, like we've compared him to the Marcus Smart kind of kind of player, like when he would play next to Kyrie? Um, is that going to be the situation? These are the things that the Kings need to figure out. What what situation is, is Davion Mitchell best suited for? What situation is Dante um, – sorry, Dante DiVincenzo best suited for? Because Davion Mitchell has been good as a starter. Is that – what he should do because his numbers as a starter are far better than as a bench player. And when the Kings do get eliminated, I would hope that the Kings choose to either sit Fox and, and rest him for the remainder, the remainder of the season or play a game or two with Davion and Fox together as starters and play them heavy minutes. I would be fine if they did that tomorrow on Saturday. I would be fine if they, yeah, if I they think would now's the time for it. I mean, see what you have while Fox is still playing. <laughs> Justin Holiday is not a part of this team's long-term plans. He's going to be 33 years old very soon. He's got one year left on his deal. He's an expiring. I could see him as as a as a piece used in a trade for salary. So see what you have in the guys that you are expecting to be here in Dante, De'Aaron, and Davion. The three Ds, let them play. Maybe even play them together. They played together in three guard mm-hmm. lineups at some points, and I haven't hated what I saw. They did it in Dallas. So it's it's a very fluid situation as far as where he is best suited mm-hmm. and that's what they need to figure out because i don't know if i like him even as the primary handler on the bench i might like yeah, him more off ball no. yeah so and i think it's a problem well i mean this is davion's biggest hurdle he's got is is his height i mean he he's you, you look at him last night and you know he's he's guarding uh franco Composo on some possessions and i'm like they're the same size like they're maybe maybe five ten, five eleven on a good you know, they're probably my height. And, you know, Davion is not shown that he he's definitely I'm, I should are you, laugh are you, more, a lot. He's not shown that he's Allen Iverson or, or Isaiah you, Thomas or anything like that. Are you officially five eleven? Uh no, I'm not officially. I would I would say that I'm five I usually say I'm five ten, five eleven. I say both. Well you're but. you're taller than me and I say I'm I'm I say I'm five nine. I don't know if I'm. I don't think people I'm have recently nine. been t- been asking me if I've gotten taller. So I might be six foot now. Is it your hair, out, ladies? Uh, I don't know. Maybe the hair adds be, some. I guess because I have mine some height on my hair, but I don't know. I'm thinking. I don't know. Well, Alex, <laughs> Alex, you know our friend Alex. Shout out Alex. Yes, Bruce. shout out uh, Alex. He has, I think, three inches added to his height because of his hair. And I've always had had this illusion. And anyone out there with friends that have tall hair can can attest they seem taller than they really are. And I have always thought that Alex is like five eleven, and he's mm. actually my height. We sit next side to side and our heads are our, our eyes. No, like I felt his, we're, guys are we're not the same height. We're the same height. No, I, 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 I promise we went back to back. Cheeks, this is a conversation cheeks, that like five people cheeks. are like, no. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I was like, no, he's not. Yeah. But no, anyone out there. Um, anyone out there who knows Frankie and knows his height. And then knows Alex and knows his we, height. We respect short kings on this podcast. We respect short kings on this podcast, okay? 
never been a fan of you know how you have a certain thing against a certain type of basketball player i am not a fan of short short basketball basketball players you're anti-short basketball players anti-short and but specifically short arms compazzo compazzo got your blood yeah oh i I actually really love uh compazzo but i'm just like it there's there you just are limited in very obvious ways earl boykins Oh, I loved Earl Boykin. He was yoked. That fool was a bucket also. Like, see, that's the thing. If you're going to be that small, I think you have to be a... I mean, generally, you've had to have been a bucket because... He was in the 400 It's the only way that you can justify in the what club? 400. I think he could bench press 400 pounds, I believe, is what I read back in the day. He could bench press 400 pounds. Because last night, I was talking to one of the court security guards, uh, Mm -hmm. courtside, named Doug. I've known him since I used to work for the team, and he... He's a very large man. He's huge. And he used to play football for the Oregon Ducks back in I think the 80s. And mm-hmm. he was like bragging about how he's in the 400 club. And I said, I haven't heard that in a while. And that just made me think about Earl Boykins because that guy was what, 5'8", five, 5'7"? Five, yeah. And small. just stacked. So with that being said, Davion Mitchell. Davion ain't that is what unless I'm saying. He, he is pretty stacked, Earl Boykins. but uh, I just think Davion's going to have to take major leaps both uh, not as major of a leap defensively, but he's going to have to prove that he is such a good defender. And, you know, he is definitely trending this way. He is such a good defender that, it, you know, his offensive limitations really don't matter because uh, his offensive limitations and his height limitations don't really matter because he has some he size is on so him, good. He has some no, size he does. on him. He has some, he has some, uh, some girth, if you will. But, but that needs to, but, but he needs to, my point is his height is yeah that could be an issue but we've seen players make it before at five eleven six foot I mean you named again these so those are, are all best. offensive players these are my bigger players. Isaiah Thomas was an all star Allen Iverson was one of the best players of all time in in it's easy to leave these guys on that, the floor but, when like they have twenty five points in their box score but yeah. if Davion's going to continue to put up eight points or you know I guess you can maybe live with twelve but um, you know if he's going to be in the single digits or or ten points a game like. Uh, it's he's going to have to be something very special defensively in order to justify being solid with him because Gotta I be think, locked down. you know, especially with a team like the Kings where they have so many holes, you can't, if you're going to settle for, for Mitchell and say like, all right, he is our hole filler for this position and we're going to live with it. He's going to have to bring something to the table. That's, that's pretty pretty good or else you know he's gonna need yeah. to be replaced and it's his rookie season it is and also yeah what I, with that being said <sighs> yeah, 14 we, we've games, talked a lot about Davion. well 14 games left i'm i'm fully on in the camp of let's unlock him let's see what he's got yeah i think you need to push his limits is 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 the bigger unleash Davion yeah. mitchell to just play see what he is 33 minutes a game start him yep what what more do you do you need to see mm-hmm. that's the only young and I say young guy on the team. They don't have they don't have mm-hmm. those Robert Woodards and Jamias Ramseys and, and Luke Kings anymore. The, Just Namias Keda, who for some yeah. reason didn't play last night, which I'm actually which, pretty surprised by. I know you want to protect him against I mean Yoke. They're trying to win games, I think, still, which the is Kings? Funny. They are. Oh they they hundred percent organizationally. Are. Oh they are. And yeah. because again, there's still four out with fourteen games left. And if they had an easier schedule, we'd be having a different conversation. If they were playing which they do play the Rockets again, but if the, if the Kings' schedule next week was Houston twice, Indiana, and I don't know, um, Detroit. Yeah, I'd say okay. If they take three or four, they could be two out with eleven left or ten left. We are having a different conversation, but instead the Kings are playing 
quite literally, and I'm not exaggerating, they're playing the best teams in the league. And I mean, if you rank, you could probably rank them Chicago or uh, yeah, Phoenix. I mean, Ch- Phoenix, Chicago's Milwaukee. a top three team in the East. Utah's a top three team in the West. Phoenix. The Bucks are a top three team in the West. The Celtics are, well, at the moment, the Celtics might be the best team in the East. They're uh, red Phoenix hot. is top of the standings in the West. That's that's your next five games. So yeah, um, the team is still trying to win though, and it'll be fun to watch, in my opinion, because they I, if they can battle like they did against Denver. I mean, it'll be fun if they can battle, but if they can play these games close and, and hard fought and we see growth in those areas, that's a win in my book. You lose the game, but you win by by competing with those guys. And you see what Davion, Dante, De'Aaron, and and Domas can do. Are they? Is that four Ds? Do we have a four? Yeah. Dante, De'Aaron, Domas, and Davion. Harrison would be the outlier. Gotta go. Like I said, man, Harrison's gotta no. <laughs> gotta change your name to to, to Doug uh, or something. Doug Barnes. <laughs> that Doug Barnes is is a uh it's a bad that guy name. averages like four points a game for that, sure. That guy is playing for like the Westchester yeah. Knicks and and he went to, to BYU or something. <laughs> um anyways, uh so the, speaking of, of D's, DeMontis Savonis the the debate around the NBA or not NBA Kings Twitter Kings social media Kings media room last night uh, the debate was should he have been suspended or not and Chris I know that you have a hard I don't even th- I was gonna say I don't even think it's a debate I think it's just a bunch of people who are anti me <laughs> Chris is of the mind and okay for anyone that I mean I'm sure you saw it Demontis Sabonis for the first time in his career gets ejected on Monday night against the Knicks after it was a bad foul call number one but number two. He lost his mind. Frustrations boiled over. He's kind of getting his <laughs> his introduction to being a Sacramento King as far as the the frustrations of losing. Uh, makes a kind of a bull rush at the referee. Bumps him. Not too hard, but still a bump nonetheless. And he gets tossed. Uh, suspension, one game. He'll be back on Saturday. But if he would have played last night, the Kings, maybe they, they might have won that game. So, Chris, did he... Did he absolutely deserve the suspension or was there some wiggle room? Because you've seen some guys like Chris Paul, Draymond Green, um, just to name a few that have had similar incidents with the referees and they've not gotten ejected or suspended. So why Sabonis? Why the Monday night uh, ejection? First off, leading the witness objection said barely bumped him. Um. I mean, from my perspective, when it first happened, I was like, this guy is wild and like, he's really like, he is mad. He, he clearly steps up to the ref and like tries to size him up. I obviously, I don't think DeMontis was going to, you know, start fighting him at, at center court or anything like that, but he for sure throws his arm at him, gets within inches of hitting him. I don't obviously think his intention was to hit the referee, uh, then starts screaming at him and then straight up chest bumps him. Like, it doesn't matter if it's soft or if it's hard. Like, obviously, again, he's not going to bump the referee all the way to the free throw line. He's a 6'11", 275-pound guy or whatever he is. Like, he could, if he wanted to, he could have really put some force into it. Like, it's just, I, I don't know. I'm learning a lot about people because apparently people like to live in the gray. And I thought I like to live in the gray, but rules are rules. Like, just because. 
just because Chris Paul, when he hurt his hand, bumped into the referee, I would say definitely more accidental or at least made it look more accidental, which is a lot of the time the key in these things. Uh, that was when he broke were, his hand too. So like that, you know, yeah, the, the pain you get when you're angry, when yes. you're angry, you see white and you kind of just do things For you don't sure. really remember doing. Uh, a lot of people were pointing at the Julius Randle uh, ejection from a couple days ago against uh, Phoenix when he is getting in the face of Cam Johnson. There's a referee between them. Uh, Julius is trying to, he's doing the hold me back thing, but he, he does charge Cam Johnson and, kind of you know there's a referee in between the two of them and he moves him out of the way so that is also contact with the official and people were were upset that he didn't get suspended and and Sabonis did my thing is it's all about you know there's a rule in the rule book it says if you make contact with an official you are suspended for one game point blank period end of discussion eye for an eye makes the whole world blind just because Julius Randle did something maybe worse, maybe, obviously, I would say the intent was not the same. It's funny to say that, you know, Julius was trying to fight a different player, not a ref. And so that's the difference just because he made con- it was incidental contact. Uh, Sabonis was directly trying to intimidate or, you know, square up to a ref like it's there was no middleman in between there. There's no room for nuance he was sizing up a ref and chest bumped him uh i've been saying and i i, I guess i'm going to take this officially on pod here but i've been saying that it's kind of like the arizona cardinal or the cardinals the uh the calvin ridley situation and compared to uh people are comparing it with steve kimes the uh owner of the dolphins who said he would pay brian flores a hundred thousand dollars to tank games people are like well, why'd you suspend Calvin Ridley, but not Kimes when it's both kind of gambling and, and, you know, disrupting the integrity of the game to which I would also say for sure, I hear you. But again, that doesn't mean that Calvin Ridley shouldn't get suspended Mm -hmm. just because somebody else is also doing something wrong, if not more wrong, does not mean that this person did not also violate the rules and should not you know, warrant their own punishment. And so that's where I fall on it. It's just kind of, and I understand people want consistency, but how long have you been watching sports? Because there's no, you know, how often do people complain about consistency with umpires in terms of balls and strikes or, you know, making out calls or whatever. And in basketball, foul calls are constantly, people are complaining about consistency. The NFL is an absolute joke of consistency with their, with their referee calls. So I, you know, I don't know. It's just, I just think it's easy because we're all obviously Kings fans and and Sabonis is our guy. And we all know that without DeMontis, we're not going to win a game, but it just, to me, it was a suspendable offense and it, that should have kind of been the end of it. But as you know, I, I, I guess I'm in the minority on that. No, I I don't think you are. I think that I do. I I just think Based on Sabonis, like I don't know if track records are being taken into account or anything. And again, he broke the rule, like you said. He he bumped in the referee, and you can't do that. That's a no no. That is a a no no. So yeah, he he probably should have been suspended. It's just, I mean, it's like a first time offender thing. And in basic law, I don't think that really matters much. I mean, if you 
I don't know, if you hit someone with your car for the first time, I don't think that the charges are much different than when you hit someone with your car for a second time. I don't know. Anyone that's in law out there, please let me know. If they, or I, anyone I, who's a bad driver. <laughs> vehicular, vehicular, att- attempted vehicular manslaughter. I mean, that, that's, that's a pretty, it's a heavier offense than bumping an NBA referee with your, with your shoulder. Uh, but what I'm trying to say is, Demontis Bonus has never been ejected in his, in his NBA career. He's, he, he surely has never been suspended. And while he didn't seem too apologetic after the game, he didn't come out. And he talked to the media after the game. He didn't say, I'm so sorry. That was a mistake. I bumped the ref. Uh, and the team obviously has taken a hard stance on the fact that they stand with Sabonis. The team is wild. And I cannot. They released that freaking statement on Instagram. They, they put it on Twitter graphic. everywhere. I'm like, they, they put it everywhere. Y'all are defiant. <laughs> they, they are. The Kings are planting their flag in the we are. We do not agree with you. Um, Point blank, it's not to just go and, and ramble here. He needed to be suspended for one game. And like you said, I think some people do look at it through King's colored glasses and say, well, it's the first. Yeah, I know it's the first time, but you can't bump a referee. And sure, some players are in the league, maybe get preferential treatment. And that sucks. And that needs to be fixed. But it it happened and it's over with. And we push on. Yeah, to me, but, the first-time offender thing is the only thing, the only argument that I'm willing to hear about it because I do think that's fair. I mean, there's people who, excuse me, Nikola Jokic, uh, Luka Doncic specifically, complain all the time to. I mean, in Sabonis, honestly, does complain to refs quite a lot, but uh, don't usually take it to that level for sure. And there's a bunch of people who take it to that level, and uh, I wouldn't really say further because that's about as far as you can get, but. Um, I don't know. I kind of think people are blinded by by the Sabonis being a nice guy, and you know he's a gritty effort kind of guy. And uh, I think people are like, oh, like you know he's mad, and and also it doesn't help that he is right. Like it was a very soft foul call, and uh, probably didn't deserve, especially when I think that was his fifth. That um, was his fifth foul. He, he was and he the, was reasonably and, pretty upset. It and the an Kings were the Kings were in the midst of a a. Colossal, colossal collapse. Meltdown. A colossal yeah. collapse. <laughs> colossal collapse. Speaking of Sabonis, yeah. before we move on from this and get into the awards and wrap things up, uh, Sam Amick posted an article today, uh, a one-on-one with Sabonis, which which uh, Brendan Nunez and I we saw Sam off at the side of practice, and we figured that was what was going on. Uh, according to an article that was just published, mm-hmm. a piece of it says, and I quote. He, as in Sabonis, shared his view on the King's situation, making it clear he's very happy to be here while also acknowledging that, quote, everything has to go well if this is going to be his long-term <laughs> basketball home when he becomes a free agent in the summer of 2024. I mean, that's not really news to me. It's not surprising that Sabonis is saying he wants to see how things work out before committing himself long-term to yeah. being a King because he's only 25. He'll be a free agent when he's 27, 28. It's pretty young and in the NBA still. You're kind of getting into your prime at that point. Why would he commit to being here forever if the Kings are not going to change? So I don't yeah. take – I'm not going to read too much. That's just kind of what's been kind of – I mean, we haven't no, gone to Twitter much I, the last hour, and that's what people are talking about. I think – um, yeah, I think it's it's – it's news in the sense of he, that is that has not been on record. I think um, there's risk. Every, you know, yeah. If, if you if you think about the situation for 10, 15 minutes, you'll come to that conclusion yourself. Of 
Yeah, you know why he's he, you know yeah he says like this Sacramento is where I I want to be and this is a fine place and I think we can do it. But yeah, why would he sign up for you know why next year would he sign an extension if there's no sign of this organization being anything different than what it's been the past sixteen years? Like, Got to prove it. Why would you want to sign up for that? I'm sure. If you were to ask De'Aaron Fox right now, I mean, he obviously is just starting his extension, but I'm sure he would say the same thing. Like, you know, yeah, I, I'm happy right now, but everything is going to ha- I would say that's, you know, and that's that is where I'm sure quotes can get misconstrued. And I'm sure Sabonis would would, you know, back up that statement a little bit with everything would have to go well. I'm sure he just more means that there would have to be positive signs of improvement. Um, As there should to say, be. everything would have to go well. That kind of implies like I'm more leaning towards not staying, and you know they would have to kind of knock it out of the park. Everything. I mean, everything does kind of have to go well. I mean, in my mind, if he's going to be a free agent and he's an all star talent, um, and the Kings are still spinning their wheels like they are right now, yeah, for sure. I would I, not be surprised if he leaves and gets. I think they, they, it just requires them being a playoff team. If I'm being like, if yeah. they're a six seed or something like that, I would like. I would like to think that that would be enough for him to stay. And is this news to us? No, I think everybody knew this already, and he mm-hmm. just is kind of confirming that. Yeah. Also, we, this we, is two years down. We, the line. we need to win, and he does. He yeah. said he wants to be here, and of course, mm-hmm. he that just means he wants to play for a winning team. And obviously, mm-hmm. if you're comfortable and you like the California weather, and he has a home here. In California, I mean, obviously, he could just be a free agent and go play for the Lakers or Clippers because he has a house down south. Um, maybe that happens in two, three, two, three years. But um, yeah, the Kings going to win, and we all knew that already. Mm-hmm. Um, but make sure you check out that piece. It's pretty in-depth. I'm going to read it when we're done here. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, awards. Cool. Uh, yeah, I mean – our My, king of the week. You can go first. You, I went first last week. I remember. It, it's it's the same thing. Yes, it is. I mean, it's the only like real po- true positive on this team right now, and it, it sucks because I'm looking back to like the king of the the king of the weeks we had at the beginning of the season. Harrison Barnes had his moments, and he's still playing well. Um, well, the numbers are still well. I don't know if he's playing well, uh, but the numbers are, are good. Rashawn Holmes had some moments. Right now, he's kind of De'Aaron Fox. It's De'Aaron Fox just doing great things. He's the the first king since Chris Webber to score 20 points in 14 straight games. Only Chris Webber has done it in more consecutive games since the Kings moved to Sacramento. Over De'Aaron Fox's last 14 games, he's averaging 28.1 points, 4.4 rebounds, 6.6 assists, 51% shooting from the field, and 37% from three. To kind of narrow it down to the last week, um, over the last five, four games, 31 and a half points, eight assists, a steal and a half, four and a half rebounds, 54% from the field, and Chris, 52% from three. Mm. He he is playing, again, we say it every week, but he's playing the best basketball of his career. He has not had a bad game, a bad game, since January 16th when he had 14 points against Houston, and he still shot 50% from the field in that game, mind you. So... What we're seeing right now is a completely different De'Aaron Fox. He is clearly more comfortable in a role being the primary ball handler and distributor. He needed the ball in his hands more. And Tyrese, as great as he is, he had the ball in his hands a lot more than than Fox probably liked. And that's not confirmed or anything. I'm just saying that's just how I feel. I feel like De'Aaron wanted the ball in his hands more. And this is what happens when that when that's the case. And obviously playing next to Sabonis helps. But 
mm-hmm. he's 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 my king of the week. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, there's there's really nobody else it could be, especially you know after that Dallas game where he was just sensational. It was it. A, I'm looking at his his box scores the last couple games, and that Dallas game he played 40 minutes, obviously scored 44 points. He was a plus six in those 40 minutes, which means in the eight minutes that De'Aaron Fox played or didn't play, they lost the game. Like that, that, that was, was the game. That was literally the game. They were up, the they were, eight minutes he did not play. They were up multiple possessions with De'Aaron on the floor. They were up multiple possessions. And they did. They had like an 18-point, 19-point lead in mm-hmm. that game. Yeah. And to me, I mean, that that if you and there's a lot of the box scores, obviously, the Kings have lost. I think I just looked at Tankathon two of their uh, two, two wins in their last 10 games. Um, and De'Aaron Fox has still managed to to bust out a, a, a positive plus minus in a lot of those games, which obviously I know plus minus is a sticky stat, but um, just shows that when he is on the floor, the team is at least holding treading water. Um, you know, there's some exceptions like that Pelicans game and that Knicks game the other day where he has um, some pretty bad plus minuses. But that's just, again, like you're saying, it is not his fault. This guy has not played poorly since he has came back from the injury since the trade. Um, and it's it's like I said, it's the best stretch of his career. And uh, to average, I think he's averaging 28 points since coming back, which is definitely near the uh, that would be near the top of to the league. Um, we've seen him play at this level before, but it's it's the simplicity for me. Like like you said earlier too, he hasn't shot uh, under forty seven percent. Yeah, over a uh, month since coming back. It's just it's so easy for him. He's getting to the rim whenever he wants. His finishes are are getting better and better. Um, and you know, I, I I had issue, I had concerns, I should say, uh, after trading Tyrese that. Is um, that you know he he would then have to uh, carry a heavier load in terms of uh, ball distribution and playmaking, and really since I've had those concerns, he's he's pretty much vanquished them. He's had uh, three ten assist games since then, two nine assist games since then, and was really just um, consistently moved the ball and, and found guys. So I mean I really can't. I, defense is the one thing that I would poke poke holes at and. You know, even then, I would say when the team needed him to play defense in that Pelicans game, he did play very well on Brandon Ingram. And and I think it's just a matter of he's doing so much offensively that his defense is for sure lacking at the moment. But I I will not I will not put any blame on De'Aaron Fox for our results. And the defense is going to have to change. I I think that's more of a key point of emphasis for the Mm offseason. And if we've cut, we come back next fall and it's still going on. That's a real it's a real problem. And, and we, I mean, see, it's a little bit of a concern. I mean, oh, for sure. For sure. He, he for whatever. I mean, he's the fastest guy on the court at all times. And for whatever reason, he just cannot keep people in front of him, especially in the pick and roll. He kind of just gets lost. And uh, I don't know, off the dribble, especially last night, it seemed like he was getting beat off the dribble just about every time, especially on guards. Uh, he was able to stick with Aaron Gordon and stuff in front of him. But well, he, uh, he turns it was, on when he wants strange. To. Yeah. He turns on when he wants to, and Brendan when I were talking about that too. Um, y- you can see it, and you saw it in Dallas. He he locked up Dinwiddie on the last couple possessions there, and and he he turned it on last night for a minute. You can just see when the defensive intensity is there, mm-hmm. and it's there probably ten percent of the time, mm-hmm. and that's the problem. 
Yeah. And sure, it takes effort, it takes stamina, but you got to figure out how to make it a salvageable effort mm-hmm. each time you're on the defensive end. Because right now, um, the metrics say he he's he's a bad defender. So mm-hmm. when you when we open up next season, if, if this does not change and you have a whole off season to get things right, and you work with your your new coaching staff, I'd imagine will be in place. Whether Doug Christie's still around and can give pointers, that remains to be seen. I would imagine he will be just because the organization loves him. Um, but do what you have to do to get things right and mm-hmm. and make yourself, a, a if not a plus defender, a, a medium mid defender because mm-hmm. that's what the Kings need. They need they need defense. That's the, more, that's the priority of the offseason, really, for, as far as a whole team goal. Get better defenders on the team or improve the guys you have because the defense is god-awful. Um. I, I want to throw in this quick stat from a uh, shout out at SAC film room, which is a fantastic uh, Twitter page that posts, you know, oh, yeah, they're, they're great. plays and actually breaks down the X's and O's of, of as the game is happening. Uh, he put out last, or I should say they, they put out last night. Uh, Darren Fox now has scored 20 plus points on at least 50% shooting in 10 straight games, which ties Giannis Antetokounmpo for the longest streak this season. That's some pretty good company to be in, safe to say. De'Aaron Fox is playing like an all-star. Again, if if this was happening at the beginning of the season and the Kings were near 500, he would have been an all-star. That's just It's simple mm-hmm. as that. It's the same thing with Boogie, how it took him so long to break through and get that respect. And Got to win games. Got to win games. And I, I think I said that too last night. I said that it, it's going to come down to him winning games. But mm-hmm. can't can't point fingers at him right now. Uh, I don't know if I have a player with Coke Machine. I, I was looking through the, the, the lineup in – Trey Lyles has had some good moments. I mean, Harrison is playing well. I give it to Dante, well. I guess. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's he was playing well before the last game. He was shooting forty four percent from three until last night. So, I mean, yeah, you, I mean, you give it to whoever you want. But <laughs> uh, I'll give it to Dante just because, I, and you know, the Coke machine is more of a you're doing nothing kind of award. But with Dante, it's more just he he hasn't found his game, and I think that's been the common theme for this season for him, which is why he ended up on the Kings. Um, you know, I, I think if if Milwaukee felt like Dante was a piece that that could help them this season, I think they would have kept him because they have actual championship aspirations uh, and really didn't get much for for trading him off. Uh, so they I might think, they might sign Terry Evans. So they could. And, you know, that that should also say something about where, <laughs> you know, they they thought Dante was at in his rehabilitation. But um yeah, you know, I just would like to see him make more shots. I think he he's struggling to find where he fits with this team. Uh, you know, he he's had to bring the ball down a couple times, and he said he's comfortable with that, but that's not really something he was asked to do too much uh, in Milwaukee. He's struggling. I mean, he, his shot selection has always been iffy, but having to watch it on a game-to-game basis is scary, especially considering he definitely misses a lot more of those uh, tough looks than he hits. Uh, but if he's, you know, I don't know. I just think this this has been uh, eye test wise. Offensively, it's it's been tough. Defensively, I I honestly have very minimal complaints. He he shows a lot of effort, and I think uh, when he does play bad defense, it's because he takes a lot of risks. He's also relentless. He's kind of a guy that reminds mm-hmm. me of the way Ty was on defense, as far as the, anticip- mm-hmm. the anticipation and and cutting off the passing lane. And yeah. you see him just completely smother people. Mm-hmm. Um, 
He's very active on defense, at least. Yeah, you know, he, very, he's very always active. very engaged. He's cla- crashing the offensive glass, which is you know his rebounding is incredible. I mean, yeah. you and I make we make points about it all the time, but mm-hmm. seeing him and his his athleticism is kind of underrated, and seeing him yeah. rise above those bigs, um, getting those tip outs, it's mm-hmm. it's very very cool to see a guard like him rebound mm-hmm. at the way he at the caliber he is yeah i just think i mean i think him missing shots is the biggest thing that that's not working for him right now and um i'm very glad that he's at least putting in that effort on defense because it's showing i think uh, if he's not putting in that effort he's gonna get a lot more of those 11 minutes per games but um i frankly don't see that happening in the future i think eventually he'll find I think the offseason will do him well, but um, and maybe the Kings sit him too. Maybe he's a player that that the Kings decide to to give some rest because you know that that ankle injury is not something you want to you want flaring back up, and I'm sure he no. doesn't either. Definitely not. Um, my Coke machine is going to go to just baseball as a whole because just kind of end on that. <laughs> I love it. Um, the fact that we're sitting here, I know this is a basketball podcast, sorry, but I'm the fact that we're sitting here on March 10th and this is not done yet, and it, it could be done by the end of today. Um, it's just very, very disappointing to a game that has been very important to me and so many others out there. So uh, get it done. Baseball Player Association and the owners, get it done. Be big boys, sit at the table, and be adults. You know, get it, up, get it over with. Um, basketball reference. Roulette. Let's see here. Uh, oh. This hour has changed. Buddy Healed. Very interesting faces. One Chavano, Buddy Healed, Chris Boucher, Otto Porter Jr., PJ Tucker, Reggie Jackson, just to name a few. James Posey, also Fred Hoiberg, the coach slash player, Hubert Davis, current coach at uh, North Carolina. Uh, pretty decent list, you know? Greg Steezma. Shout out Steez. Greg Steezma. That is um, a guy let's do buddy healed just because obviously there's there's a lot of uh there's a lot of corollaries between buddy and this podcast so um he give me a, a coke machine of the week uh <laughs> there we go uh yeah buddy is interesting i think you were talking uh yesterday in the uh, media room about buddy's performances as of late correct his yeah his, uh, I, his I, assists. Wa- I wanted to tweet that his his assist numbers with and again, they're way up with with Indiana. He's averaging five point six per game um, in eleven games. And coming into Indiana, he was averaging one point nine. But for the first time in his career, he he dished out seven assists in three straight games. And his last three games, he has had sixteen points, seven rebounds, nine assists, nineteen points, eight rebounds, seven assists, and then fourteen points, eight assists. The man's like turned into He's turned like an Tyrese Halliburton almost as far as his numbers go. The shooting still got awful. 35% from the field, uh, 10% from 3-1 game, 33%, 28%. The three-point shooting is bad still. But he is rebounding and passing the ball since leaving the Kings, and it's kind of just making me upset because where was that when you were here? And I feel like the Kings had better talent around him in Sacramento than Indiana. But – I feel like I'm looking at his stat, his uh, box scores from last year, and he did. Ha- I and I remember it. He had stretches where he was assisting the ball, especially the the last five games of the season last year. Well, really, I mean, he he kind of did for the last month of the season, 
but he had some eight, six, seven, six, six, five, nine assist games um, coming towards the end of last year. He's shown in the pick and roll. Uh, he he will find the uh, the roll guy, and he'll go through those stretches. But then he obviously goes back to just taking that pick and and flinging the ball. Um, Classic. Very strange. I don't know, buddy. Buddy is buddy's a funny guy because. In his time in Sacramento, I mean, we had him for, what, four years, three and Mm -hmm. a half years. Um, We really saw him do a little bit of everything for a short stretch of time. I mean, there was, you know, obviously his shooting was was the biggest thing that was there. Um, But I remember, you know, Buddy Heald having massive for an entire season. I think he averaged five rebounds a game, which is insane for somebody without his athletic ability and, you know, pretty you know he had unengaged. a season that i think we we all it was what got him paid and mm-hmm. it's, it's a season that i think that everyone kind of took notice around the nba uh it was 2018 19 the year the kings were almost in the playoffs they missed by uh well they were a nine seed uh 20 points per game five rebounds two and a half assists 45 yeah. percent from the field and 42 percent from three um that's pretty that's damn good for a shooting guard we saw stretches where, uh, specifically at the beginning of last season, remember, it was like, oh, my God, Buddy Heald is, like, playing defense. Like, he's, like, communicating, locking up. He seemed incredibly engaged for, like, the first three games I remember last season. And then all of a sudden just completely fell off. No one ever, ever mentioned him being a defensive asset ever again. It was over. Um, there was, like I said, games where he would show assists, the ability to pass the ball. Um, but the problem is it was never all together and it was never for any elongated stretch of time. So I think buddy on this very bad pacer team where nobody else is here to get any sort of numbers because it's really just him and Tyrese who are, who are at that kind of level. I think Brogdon's back now, but, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's open season for buddy. And this is where I feel like he will thrive is, uh, is on a very bad team with absolutely nothing to lose. Buddy, shout Chavano, uh, Chris, James Posey. Can you name the two championship teams he played for? James Posey. Uh, I would say the Celtics. I know One. and the Heat. Yep. Wow. Look at you, basketball yeah. knowledge. I know That's all I have to say about him. And then what? Let's do one more. Let's do. Sure. I guess PJ Tucker, who Each. is. 36 he'll be 37 next month master of the uh master of ebay you know what does that mean he uh apparently but i mean i know he has a sponsorship with ebay but he's like the biggest shoe guy in the nba like really one oh yeah like his his shoe like his shoe game is crazy like my my roommate hates hates sports knows absolutely nothing about sports and knows who pj tucker is wow yes wow Yes, real like quick about massive like he will wear like eight hundred dollars shoes that like are not basketball shoes he will wear them during a game pj i i feel like he's been playing forever because he has been you know he got drafted in 2006 and he only played 17 <sighs> games for toronto Damn, then he went that was over my question is who he got drafted by i have no idea he i think he might have an undrafted he, he was second round 35th pick and he played 17 games as a rookie an old rookie mind you 21 in 2006 and then he went overseas for five years yeah that's crazy came back and played for phoenix i fought i fondly but i i vividly remember 
him playing on that Phoenix team mm-hmm. in 2012, 2013, and, and 13-14 because he he was on that team with Isaiah Thomas where the, the Kings played. Uh, remember that they played the Suns in that double overtime game at the when Isaiah left for got traded to Phoenix and um, I don't. I could pull it this up. It's right one here. of those few random Kings games I definitely don't remember. And it was Phoenix was good too. Um, they lost to Sacramento. Hold on, I'm sorry. 2012, 2013. Oh, no, yeah. If you have any thoughts like, on PJ, I'm uh, I'm looking because you he mentioned he had the five year hiatus um, in Europe, and wow. Okay, I was gonna say I know that uh, Patrick Beverly had a similar career path, but his was only two seasons. Yeah, and I yeah, would have thought like I mean that's just crazy. It's five years he left, and also so real quick that game. Um, it was Phoenix, Sacramento. The the Kings beat a team that had Goran Dragic, Eric Bledsoe, Marcus Morris, Markeith Morris, Isaiah Thomas, and Miles Plumley. Um, Alex Len also, but PJ Tucker was on that team, and PJ had fifteen and seven, and he had some big shots late. Kings won one fourteen, one twelve, and double OT even after Boogie got ejected, and that was the game where Boogie went and like restrained Michael Malone and pulled him back. Yes. And people were like, "Wow, they get each other." Boogie and Michael Malone get each other. Well, guess what? They do. And now they're beating the Kings at Golden One Center like last night. So PJ Tucker was part of that team. This it's a memory I have. PJ Tucker. Yes. <laughs> you want to know what I just learned about PJ Tucker? What's up? Obviously, PJ stands for something. That's can a I guess? whole, separ- that's can a whole I guess? separate story. Yes, you can. Philip John. No. It's and these things I freaking I cannot stand when people do this. His actual name has nothing to do with PJ. Oh, absolutely nothing. Oh, no, I just saw it. Anthony Leon PJ Tucker Jr. Pops Jr. Pops Jr. is what PJ stands for. Pops the, t- the Tuck Jr. Wagon, the Tuck Wagon. What um, on earth does that mean? So he's Tony Wagner. Uh, Tony Anthony. Tucker. Or Tony, Tony Tucker. Tony Wag- Wagner, sorry. <laughs> Tony Tucker. Yes. This is Tony like, Tucker. Um, you know who this is exactly like? There is a uh, NFL receiver, T.Y. Hilton. Do you know what T.Y. stands for? Is it Tyler, but short? No. T.Y. stands for absolutely nothing. His name is Eugene Marquise Hilton. What the? Why are people? Why is it? Why? Are, why? Why are we why are we making so my name's Frankie can I make my name like I don't know F or not F T T L like the loser I don't know what I'm doing a lot make, of research into this T it says TY Hilton's first name is short for Tyrone add the periods Yeah when it comes to celebrating touchdowns those letters also mean thank you to fans Mm. okay all right so what i'm learning is just name your kids i was gonna say anthony but that's what happened with pj just just don't like why are you confusing like i can't just say yeah like i go by jp now you just gotta call me jp watkins at the from from here on forward chris is i don't know 
I don't know, man. We're just plain, here. just plain Watkins. JP, that's what it, JP stands for. So it stands just for plain, just plain Watkins. Just plain Watkins. You know. uh, the schedule. Anyways, Utah yeah. Saturday. Kings have not beaten Utah in like two years. I, I think it's been about two and a half years. They, they lost stuff. six straight. Uh, Chicago homestand. Chicago Monday. Milwaukee Wednesday. We'll probably come back here on Thursday. Uh, get something in before they play Boston and Phoenix. Boston. And then uh, we'll probably talk to you on on Thursday. Well, probably the next two Thursdays, because then yep. thurs- the next Thursday after that will be following the first game against Buddy Heald and Tyrese Halliburton in Indiana. Mm-hmm. So yes, we're going to be on a Thursday schedule. Fun. Thursday schedule the next couple weeks. And yeah, man, it's it's whether you want them to win or lose, we all can agree that the season is coming to a close, and we all will be without Kings basketball soon. Mm-hmm. And that might be a good thing. At least for a little bit. Yeah. And you know what? It's really about the friends we made along the way. Yep. And we made a lot of friends this year. <laughs> we made a lot of friends. You out there uh, listening, you're a friend. Hi, friend. Not my friend, but... The Tuck uh, Wagon. Yep. For Frankie Cardicelli, I am Chris Watkins. Thank you all for listening so much. Uh, again, be sure to look out for episodes coming the next couple Thursdays. And, uh, you know, let's let's hope that the Kings can put themselves in a good situation here to draft uh, to be good next year. Tankathon, uh, baby. Hopefully we get some uh, some some baseball news coming up for, for Frank. So he's not uh, forced they're, to pay attention to the Kings. They're exchanging proposals right now. It's exchanging it, proposals. It, it, it could be happening. It could be happening. Sounds, with, sounds like it, it. Things are brewing. Could um, have my lunch. Thank you all for listening, and we will be back next week. So, yep.